0: Hi there, my name is Pav and along with Jacob, I'm one of the hosts of the Top of Off podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to us have a chat about cricket and make fun of each other in the process. As a reminder, you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Top of Off podcast. Um, and today we're gonna to be looking at the events of uh, the second day of third test between England and the West Indies. And this is the deciding test as well. So without further ado, Jacob, who will um, give us our overview of the day.
1: Yeah, I've, I've actually written it today. Um, <laughs> usually I just try and make it up. I don't know if you can tell, but I think our listeners and viewers deserve better. So I've <laughs> because I was awake at seven o'clock this morning because I couldn't sleep. So um, yeah, I've written one. So the day began with England's overnight batsman resuming on 258 for four with Butler on 56 and Pope on 91. Pope unfortunately failed to add to this total and make his second test century, as while he was dropped off Shannon Gabriel's bowling, Big West Indian paceman took matters into his own hands and bowled England's number five in his next over. England then went on to lose three wickets for 10 runs off 14 deliveries. If you include Pope's wicket, with Butler being caught behind on 67 and Wokes chopping the ball onto his own stumps on one. Joffrey Archer then became Kemar Roach's fourth and final victim of the day, caught behind on three of five balls, bringing Broad to the crease to partner Dom Bess. Not only did Broad stop the slide, but he channeled his inner all-rounder to score England's joint third fastest 50 of all time in just 33 balls. Let's just, on a side note, take a look at the people he's on that list with. Only Ian Botham has scored a faster cent- half century than Stuart Broad. One from 28 balls and one from 32. Broad is tied with Anne Lamb and Freddie Flintoff for <laughs> that record. <laughs> <laughs> so, on, yep. only Ian Botham is better than Stuart Broad. <laughs> uh, over Over 50 runs. So, Broad made the third fastest joint, third fastest 50 of all time in 33 balls before being caught in the deep by Blackwood. Anderson was then caught behind on 11, leaving Dom Bess on 18 not out of a battling 96 balls and England 369 all out. Broad was once again the star early on in the West Indies first innings as he had the usually limpet like Craig Bra- Brathwaite caught behind on one having bowled only three balls at him. Broad, interestingly, has taken a wicket in his first over at Old Trafford in four of his previous five innings there, which is quite impressive. Yeah. Campbell was given a second life. Uh, John Campbell, their other opener, was given a second life on 10 after having a simple catch behind dropped by Ben Stokes at slip in the fifth over, making Jimmy Anderson even more grumpy. He went on to make an attractive 32 before being bounced out by Archer, leaving the West Indies 44 for two. England kept a tight hold on the run rate and the pressure began to tell on the Windies fragile batting lineup in the 23rd over when Hope was caught behind off Anderson on 17 and then both Brooks and Chase fell within the next 10 overs, the former caught behind and the latter trapped LBW, to leave the West Indies 73 for five. Jermaine Blackwood and Jason Holder put up some resistance, but Blackwood was bowled by Chris Wokes on 26, with the Windies 110 for six. Holder and Shane Dowrich survived a barrage of short balls, with Dowrich in particular looking extremely uncomfortable, until Bad Light brought the day's play to a close with the West Indies 137 for six, trailing by 232 and still needing 33 tomorrow slash this morning as we're recording it to avoid the follow on. Yeah. Um, so good day for England. Um, very good day for England, actually. Interestingly, uh, cause it, it started really as, as looking like the West Indies yeah. kind of day. Yeah. Um, was, especially um, after yesterday. And then, yeah, Yeah. No,
0: definitely. There was, uh, I mean, he started the day that flurry of quick wickets for England, Pope gone, then Butler, um, but then you had Stuart Broad come in and obviously by that point you think well we're well into the tail there but obviously you do, Stuart, uh, you do Stuart Broad a disservice if you forget that he also can bat, so he, he does have test entries to his name um, and so he proved what he can do with the bat. obviously he didn't need to prove anything but he's shown that actually he brings a lot more to this team than just the bowling and the bowling is world class
1: yeah he he used to be a bit of an all-rounder Um, he was kind yeah. of seen in that way obviously he was then hit on the face yeah in um, a match against india in 2014 and his this was actually his highest score since that incident he, he yeah. had a test century before that but it really shook him and, and now he seems to be enjoying it again he he said in interview after the the day that actually the reason he got out he, he shouldn't have slowed down he should have just carried on smacking it <laughs> he started pushing it around yeah. for ones and twos which everyone thought was quite smart but he said i just shouldn't have slowed down i should have just carried on yeah. trying to hit it out the ground and whatever happened happened i suppose when you get into that
0: groove you know you know there are days and you get into that spell and and you just feel like every like everything you do with the ball hits and and it always hits the middle of the bat and and you know they mm. go where you need them to go and you just had one of those days yesterday
1: it's just mad that only Botham <laughs> has hit a faster half century, <laughs> and he's tied with Alan Lamb and Flintoff. You've got people and like Broad, people like Ben
0: Stokes and Joe Root are not anywhere on that list. But I, and I, and I think actually this is a really good point: is that in the future, in ten years' time, there'll be a pub quiz question somewhere about who's hit the second fastest uh, or third fastest um, uh, a, a test half century for England ever and you know and and people will be like yeah they they were from the 2020 test team and people say ben stokes or joe root
1: no it's stuart broad <laughs> it's it's mad it's mad to think but he he does have the ability to do that and, and oh, yeah. we saw yeah, that yeah. pre 2014 you know he yeah his dad his dad was an opener for england and and stuart can bat like he, yeah. he can he's got very good timing yeah. But um the match referee for this game as well. Yeah. He just he just since he got hit, he hasn't liked yeah. to get in the line of the ball for fear of yeah. it happening again. And 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 understandably, you know, he looked like a panda for six weeks and he I think he broke his nose, he had two black yeah. eyes. It was it was a for those who don't know, uh he was bounced and the ball went through the visor of his helmet between the, the gap between yeah. the helmet and the visor and struck him straight on the nose it was a horrible horrible blow and and I wouldn't want to play cricket ever again if that happened to me (laughs) so fair enough to him that he's he's carried on and and can bat like this against a team which is 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 kind of well it's the second best well it was until perhaps this series but it was ranked as the second best pace attack in the world so yeah yeah um, I mean
0: he just smacked him about and it is I mean it's a very hard thing to do anyway, but you know, you know, for, for any player. But when you're seven down at that point, and you still need to make decent runs, you know, most other players would be tempted to, you know, obviously just defend and and set up that wall and just block. Um, and also, you know, compounding that, you're not just seven down. It's a very start of the day. You know, it's literally an hour into the day or something like that. You know, you're you're a tail end batsman and you've had the experience that stuart broad had seven years ago um when you consider all those factors it becomes even more spectacular
1: mm. what you did and, and it really helped england as well we we were talking yesterday yeah. england you know it would have been nice not to bat past lunch they yeah. pretty much definitely didn't want to bat past tea given how the day is likely to be shortened i think there's rain forecast for today i don't uh, we don't know what's going up on uh, on up in Manchester. I can look in a minute, but um, yeah, it was really significant in that it it brought so many runs to England and gave them such a good lead, yeah. and then gave them well our innings finished and and lunch was taken and it gave them two whole sessions to bowl at the West Indies and and yeah now they have two. Not quite set batsmen overnight. They're deep yeah. in the order. They, they're the follow-ons. A real possibility. Dowrich looks like he's going to be bounced out any moment. He, he really doesn't like the short ball. So yeah. it's it's a great position for England at the moment. And well, it's looking
0: really good for England right now.
1: Um, but it, it's 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 not really a question now of how how good either team is. It's it's can England we think they're going to win this game, but can they do it in the time that the weather gives them? We, we were very it. lucky yesterday in that we were forecast to have basically a washout and, and not a ball was lost. Yeah. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen.
0: Well, this, there's, um, it's like course. what we were saying yesterday where the questions now and, and the, the thing that will decide this game is the tactical sort of knowledge and the, the tactical skill of Joe Root and the England management in in how they um, uh, in, in in how they go about sort of making the most of the the play that we're going to get because that's where the game is going to be won or lost is is the decisions that they make so I think it, it underlines just how um, just how important it is for them to get those decisions right now and just what the pressure will be like on them uh,
1: because I'm, we're I'm in such a good at,
0: position now
1: sorry I'm looking at my weather forecast and it says Um, this is in Manchester, so it says today there's basically no chance of rain until around two o'clock, Yeah. then there's a 43% chance at two, a 47% chance at three, a 51% chance at four, but that's the only time it gets above 50% chance, Um, but it thinks there's going to be rain at four, and then five, six and seven is all clear. So we should get a decent bit of cricket today.
0: Yeah, um, so if,
1: and just if look, everything goes well, then we should. The forecast, um, we'd only lose an hour, then. It says rain for tomorrow and Tuesday. So, so they've got two days to win this game, basically. Basically, we, we've got today, a good, hopefully a good chunk of play today, and then interrupted days yeah. tomorrow um, and Tuesday. And then the fifth day would be Wednesday, and that's pretty clear. So kind of probably two and a half, three days all in all. Yeah. um, Well, like two and a half days, yeah. Tomorrow and Wednesday is probably going to get, Tuesday rather, is going to get interrupted.
0: So the pressure is on for for England um, to to save this game because obviously a draw works in the West Indies' favour in terms of the series. um, Mm. Because it will still be a drawn series, but they'll take this trophy back. Um, so yeah, so the pressure is all on England. It's, it's England to lose, really. That's that's the way to look at this game.
1: Yeah, and hopefully they won't get ruined by the weather because that would be be very frustrating. And and kind of as as soon as they they get you know they had the Ashes yeah. thing where they drew the series and then lost the you know the trophy went back to Australia and then we yeah. won in South Africa. But now this could happen again. We get a drawn series because yeah, yeah. of the weather. Basically, you know, in, in the ashes, I'm not, I'm not saying that we should have won those ashes because we played terribly at times, but <laughs> there was that one game which was drawn, which England were all set to win, but then a day got washed out and Australia held on for the draw. So it, it's, it's getting, it must be getting frustrating for this England team to turn up in the English summer and, and have their chances of winning big series ruined by rain.
0: Yeah, it must get frustrating because it's happened yeah two summers in a row as you said, um, and it wouldn't be a very fitting end to the test series that we've had because it's been thrilling so far. It's been brilliant, and I would like the third test to be in the vein of the of the, of the first two tests. You know, I would like it to be really, really engaging and have a day five finish as well. But you know, the rain could could damage that. But let's, yeah. um, let's appropriately
1: enough. Sorry, appropriately enough, it would be a very kind of damp end to this, yeah. to this very yeah. exciting series, and you know, hopefully, as you say, that can be avoided. Anyway, mo- moving on, as you you say. Moving on,
0: yeah. Um, so, what happened to the West Indies openers and in their top order? Because what we saw was them two down before fifty, five down before a hundred. Um, it was a real sort of collapse of the West Indies batting line. I think it was, they lost six for 107 or something like that. Um, so it was, you know, there, there was many wickets lost for not not a lot of gain. Um, and so the question has to be asked is what actually happened there? So was it just a day off for, for the openers or was it something deeper that, you know, the, the struggles that we anticipated they would have, um,
1: you know, before this series, we've now seen that they're having those struggles. I, I think, it is actually a, a, a deeper thing for the West Indies. I'm just going to get the scorecard up to confirm my suspicions, but it seems like other than Craig Brathwaite being lost early, which I think was the, a, a big thing for England and a big turning point, um, other than that, the innings was fairly typical from each of the West Indian yeah. batsmen, other than maybe Shamar Brooks. Um, So Brathwaite uncharacteristically went early. Then Campbell has always had this problem of can get runs and can score fluently, but can't bat time. So he he batted 50 balls, 82 minutes, and had a strike rate of 64, which is a very good strike rate for a test opener. But then he gets out. um, And you could see he was pushing forward and pushing forward and then got bounced out by Archer. Very good bowling. But he, he, you know, uh, he, to the extent that Andrew Strauss on the commentary predicted it, he said, "I think there's going to be a short one here." And then Archer bounced him. So, yeah. um,
0: I mean, with 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 Campbell, it was really interesting because he'd come in to he, the, the the ball before Archer bowled it quite full, and he played brilliant, you know, really solid defence. It was if if you wanted a video that you'd use to coach uh, youngsters and kids. Um, on on how to bat solid defense, you'd use that you know you use that technique because it was brilliant, and because he was leaning forward, he was coming into the ball. You know they sort of realised that he's done this for a few that for a good few balls now, so it sort of something clicked with Archer, and he said, oh, well, if if I pitch one up and uh, pitch one short, um, he's not going to be able to do anything about it because he's he's too far forward," and mm. that's what happened.
1: And he just gloved it to Burns yeah. at gully. So and then Shea Hope. Um, sort of had a Joe Denley-esque innings, 64 yeah. balls to 17 <laughs> runs. And then, uh, in fairness to him, it was a beauty from Anderson. It was the sort of delivery we associate with him, this kind of late moving out swinger, which... He was brilliant, yeah. Yeah, starts on the line of our stump, squares up the batsman, just takes yeah. the edge. Um, Brooks got quite unlucky. He usually sticks around a good bit, but yeah. um, he got quite unlucky. Just a good ball from Anderson, thin inside edge through to Butler. Can we
0: talk about Chris and Wokes' wicket?
1: We um, can. Yeah, oh, that was a oh, beautiful Amazing, absolute beauty. Um, but that that things. again is a kind of problem that Blackwood's been having. He's very yeah. similar to Campbell in that he's aggressive. He plays his shots. He doesn't stay in for very long, and he doesn't make yeah. big runs. He made twenty six off forty five balls in eighty three minutes with a strike rate of fifty seven, and it just isn't sustainable for him. So it no, was definitely. kind of, it was kind of. Um, it brought to mind for me, actually, the Ireland test against England yeah. uh, last year in, in, their, in the first innings where England kind of got skittled by Ireland. Because it, while it was good bowling and everything, it, this is a very similar situation. It's good bowling and the attack worked well and they had a plan. But you looked at it and it was just every batsman, it seemed like all their weaknesses clicked into place on the yeah. same innings. And they all got out in the way that they kind of always get out. Um, and so, yeah, it's it, it's really that case. Like um, in that Ireland test we saw, you know, Johnny Bairstow got LBW or bowled because yeah. there was a massive gap between his pads. Jason Roy can't drive the ball in test cricket and so he got bowled. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, all these kind of archetypical mistakes made by the batsmen. That's what happened to the West Indies yesterday. Oh, yeah, and definitely, yeah. It, it really... Is- it really Shows why Holder wanted to bowl first and try and get England out cheaply. It showed, that,
0: I think, also that this England team were very well prepared in that. You know, obviously, there's there's a certain amount of preparation that goes on before Test series, and part of that preparation is you watch videos of, you know, of, of your opponents batting, and you have a look at their dismissals and and what the weakness is. And it's you know it's been brilliant because they knew the English bowlers knew exactly what to do to target those weaknesses, and. And so I think it's it's you know obviously the West Indies yeah their archetypical mistakes were exposed you know for for each and every batsman but it's it's the, part of that is to do with yeah they had a weakness maybe a lapse in concentration or it was just a weakness of technique in English conditions but I think part of it also um, has to be ascribed to the fact that the English management and the England coaches have drilled these players so well. And these, this bowling unit knows exactly where to target these batsmen and exactly what their weaknesses are. So I think it's also, I think it's got a lot to say about the preparation that
1: the England team has done. Well, I feel very bad for Shane Dowridge. I don't think he's going to last long today at all. Yeah. Um, and And the reason is... England have changed their tactic to him. It, it was kind of just put it on a length top of the stumps and he gets LBW a couple of times and, and he got a pair in the last, in the last game getting LBW. And, and they, you saw they started, started with that plan and he looked a bit more solid. He played some good yeah. shots. He didn't look uncomfortable. Um, and then they realised, oh, we also saw he, he's a bit uncomfortable against the short ball. So yeah. they basically said every ball, telegraph it, it doesn't matter. Keep the field exactly for this, and every ball get it up sort of by his shoulders, by his throat. And and what we saw is, no matter how many times you do it, no matter how predictable it is, he can't play it. Oh no, he, he has a severe, yeah. severe weakness against the short ball. He was almost yeah. caught out of Archer yeah. in a terrible position. Ball came up sort of by his head, and he had just one hand on the bat, and he was both feet in the air, split legged, and side on, and he just. Yeah. Hope to it, did. and Rory Burns would have had to have been, you know, Spider Man to kind of flick <laughs> and catch it in time or, yeah. or Ben Stokes. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, there's,
0: it, there's it a lot got, to say uh, there that, that is and that that shows um, what, what they usually say about test cricket, which is when you get out into the middle um, in a test match, you know, specifically in a test match, you you know, you'd better hope that if you do have any weaknesses in your technique, they're not picked up on by, by the bowlers, because when you're out in the middle, there's nowhere to hide. The, yeah, the spotlight is on you in, in a more brutal way than it is in any other form of the game. and Well, in, in any other sport, really, because it's just you versus that bowler and, and, and that field. Um, and, I yeah, I do predict that they'll get Jofra on as well, and there will be some very, very close yeah. to Shane Darragh, and they going to try and square him up and try and get yeah. him... You know, try and get him to glove, or you know, to to sort of edge one off.
1: And and they're being they're being very disciplined in their attack of Dowrich in that they're not wasting bounces. He's quite a short man, and they're not just sending them over his head. They're consistently getting them about shoulder neck height. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and d- I think Dowrich in the near future, you know, the next time the West Indies play, if he doesn't sort this out, he's going to have a very uncomfortable time. He's already having difficulty with the gloves at the moment in England and he's dropping a lot but he's with the bat he's going to have a significantly uncomfortable time because he's not going to take the short ball on he can't can't take it on effectively he doesn't really get out the way effectively so I think he's going to have a very torrid time today and against whoever the West Indies play next because he's going to get bounced repeatedly and just every ball is going to be at his head Oh yeah, um, this is this is
0: now a weakness that's been glaringly exposed, and every other test team in the world will have a look at this and say, "Well, hmm. this is how we target him. This is this is his key." Um, and so, I yeah, it, you know, the only thing for him to do is well, in this innings, there's not much you can do because you're out in the middle now. There's you know, you can't change that technique, but over this you know, over the next few months, because they don't play another test series for a while, so he's got a few months. He needs to get into the nets and sort this out. You know and there needs to be some serious work done against against the uh, short balls and one other point to add is Shane Dowridge i think his his height also doesn't help him with short balls in that it's much less taxing on a bowl, on, on on a bowling side to bowl short balls at him because he's shorter so you know you don't need to pitch it as 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 short as you would need to do for someone like Jason Holder um and and so they can bowl a little bit fuller um obviously not full but they can bowl a little bit fuller and it will still you know, reach neck or head height. And so it's much less taxing on the bowlers, which means there can be more spells of this hostile short ball. Um,
1: and it, it's harder to pick up that yeah. length. Is it gonna kind of come at my ribs? Is it gonna come yeah. at my pads? Um, is it shaving the top of the stumps? Because it, it can be a bit, especially if he gets on a pitch with some uneven bounce, when some of them are gonna stay low and some of them are gonna yeah. rock it up by his face then he's going to have a real problem. We, we saw it with Burns in the ashes, and he's sourced it out quite well. He got out a yep. couple of times because he was a bit of a compulsive hook shot player. Yeah. Um, Are you, you trying know, to wee in
0: both of them too much?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and he, he got caught a couple of times, and now he yeah. just quite nicely ducks out of the way of the ball. And, and Dowrich has to learn a way either of taking the short ball on or effectively getting out the way of it because just he's all in a muddle at the moment. Yeah, no, definitely. And I
0: I yes, yeah, I think the the example of Rory Burns is really interesting because he had weaknesses that were exposed, and he went. You know, this is one of the stories before this series was how he went away in in the gap that England had between the Ashes and their winter tours, and you know worked really hard in the nets to sort them out. And the next time he came out, um, especially especially in South
1: Africa, he was able to sort it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I'm just plugging my laptop charger in for, for our YouTube viewers who can see me doing it. Uh, there we go, because it's about to die. So He's falling off his chair—that's what's actually happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm actually heavily drunk at 10:15 in the morning, and I've collapsed off my chair. But well, it no, is um, on a Sunday. <laughs> I, I think it showed it, what what yesterday showed really was how much this. West Indies team relies on their bowling attack. Oh yeah, yeah, and how wrong things go for them when the bowling attack, at, you know, is tired and beaten up, yep. and they don't have the depth that they need. And just imagine if a
0: team which who who are very good in low scoring contests, and they mm-hmm. can, you know, they can they can really do well in low scoring contests where it's very gritty and attritional. But as soon as you get a team, you know, as soon as their bowling attack doesn't work, you know. Um, then, yeah, then as you said, they're exposed, and you can't have a test side who's who relies so heavily on their bowling attack because, you know, obviously in, in, bowlers win wins series, yes, but you need you need to put on board. And if you, come, if you come up against a team who have the quality of batsmen, I'm not saying England do, but if you come up against a team who have batsmen of the quality that Aren't going to get out easily, or if you come up against, you know, against a team, or you have a day like, like they have in this in this series, where your bowlers aren't are tired and they're not um, they're not performing to the standard that they should be, you're going to struggle because then you have to fall back. You need to have runs as well.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the, the 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 good thing about having a great bowling attack, which the West Indies do, is that it buys you a certain amount of flexibility in, yeah. in your batting. Um, but I'd still say you know to to win games, if you don't have that great a bowling attack, you need a batting lineup which can kind of consistently score four hundred ish um I'd say if you've got as good a west in, uh, a good as a good, as good a bowling attack as the West Indies do, that buys you a bit of flexibility in that you can you kind of need a batting lineup which will make three hundred ish pretty regularly yeah um ideally like three fifty. Unfortunately, the West Indies are in this situation where um, they've got this great bowling attack, but they're getting tired out. They don't have depth in it. And then they have a load of batsmen who, in domestic cricket, not even in Test cricket, are averaging in the 30s and a a batting lineup which on a good day will make 350, but on the regular will make about 200, 250. And that's just not enough to win games they looked really good in this first test but they've got more and more tired imagine if this was a five test series by the end of the series they'd be worn out oh it would be yeah no um, it just wouldn't it wouldn't work so they, they really need to step up their batting and, and uh, the the domestic cricket scene in the west indies needs to play a big part in this it's helped their fast bowling um but if you look at well first of all half their batsmen are averaging below 40 in, in first class cricket not even in, in Test cricket, whereas England, most of them are averaging over forty yeah. in domestic cricket and and just under forty in Test cricket, you know, thirty-five or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a big problem. And also you get people like Shea Hope, where there's this weird inconsistency in the selection, where they they've selected Shea Hope, even though he hasn't played domestic West Indian cricket since twenty seventeen and yeah. has been playing a load of ODI cricket, and I think a bit of county over here, possibly. Um, he, hasn't,
0: he hasn't played much county. And there was actually, there's a, talking about Shea Hope, there's actually a very good article by Mike Aserton. Um, he, he was in the Times a couple of, uh, after the last test, actually. And, and, and he actually said that what happened is because Shea Hope, is especially, hasn't had the sort of county education or the domestic sort of first-class education that he needs, um, in order to refine his technique and learn how to bat time and you know that, you, you know learn the demands of what um the longest form of cricket you know, um, uh, he's going to always have those weaknesses and he and he contrasted it actually with um with Craig Brathwaite because Brathwaite's been quite good this series you know he he's been probably the one West Indies top order batsman who's consistently performed, but you know with the exception of this test and and this innings. Uh, the you know the first two tests he's performed almost every innings, and what's happened is that obviously he's had a county education, he's played a lot of county cricket because he he sort of prioritises his first class game over the ball, but but what's happened to to differentiate him from Shea Hope is that you know because of that. Um, because of where their priorities lie, one of them has skills that are more suited to short form and ODI cricket. And the other one has skills that are more suited to test cricket. And it's just a natural progression of what's going to happen is that if you spend more of your time playing first class cricket, you're going to have more of the skills that are suited for test cricket. And if you spend more of your time playing ODI cricket or uh, one day cricket, you're going to have more skills that are shorter to uh, to the short form of the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that Shea Hope hasn't played long form domestic cricket regularly since yeah. in three years and is still in the test team. But then Nicholas Poran has yeah. not been selected because he hasn't played enough uh, first class long form cricket is, is kind of ridiculous. And, and it's not helping Shea Hope's form. He's averaging, I think, close to 50 in one day cricket and averaging something like 20 or 30 at the moment in... Um, in test, if you, but if you contrast that with, say, someone like Dom Sibley, he's averaging in first class cricket, he's averaging 41, and he's averaging currently 44 in his eight test matches. That's yeah. early in his career, but I'll, I'll take a look at Joe Root, for example, who, even though he's not in the best of form, in first class cricket, he's averaging 48, and he's averaging 48 across his career in test matches. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you need someone who is averaging high in domestic cricket because if, you, if you, you're taking someone to test level, yeah. very good players can translate their average over into the highest level like Joe Root is doing and, and Dom Sibley's been doing. But it's very rare to find someone like Sibley so far with a higher average in test cricket than they have in their first class game. Yeah. So if you're selecting people who are averaging 34, 35 in domestic cricket, it's, it's unlikely they'll average more than that in test cricket and, and far more likely they'll end up averaging close to 30, 28, 29. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is a big problem. I think, for I the, think
0: the other thing would say is that there's, um, obviously there's you know, the financial and practical um, reasons why Shea Hope is prioritising his short-form game. You know that's and, and, and we have to talk about that and, and well we have to recognise that at the very least. Um, but at the same time, I think you know you use the example of Joe Root, someone like Joe Root or even Ben Stokes. You know they they can they show how you can you can be good at both forms of the game. You know you can you yes you can if you don't have to neglect your your first class game or your test game. Um, you 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 still put the time into that, but you can also go go on and, um, and, and, and do well <laughs> in the four-form game in, in ODI and T20 cricket. But it's all about where your priorities lie and it's all about how you prioritise. So Jacob has just fallen into a... Uh, into Sorry, a... carry on.
1: I'm gobbing oh, my lungs out. I'm just going to mute myself. While...
0: Um, yeah, so it shows really the, um, the, the, that you can be good at both forms of the game, but it's where your priorities lie and it's how you prioritise, you, you know, you, you need to prioritise the first class game, really, because that's where you take the most time. Prepared. And then once you prioritise that, you translate those goals into your game. Because really, your first class skills can translate into your game, but your first don't translate into the first class game.
1: Although I think, I think that's I think possibly that's... a bit of an unfair standard. Or
0: maybe, may, maybe actually, I, I, maybe that would have been true 20 years ago, and today is, is much less true.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of an unfair standard to set in that you you talk about Joe Root and Ben yeah. Stokes. These are two yeah. you know world class, top of their game, batsmen. And actually, if you look at Joe Root particularly, probably the the one day stuff has had a bit of a detrimental effect on him. Yeah. Um, whereas actually, England's kind of young core of significantly good batsmen, people like Pope and Sibley, don't play a lot of... they—they. Uh, they ser- I don't think uh, Don Sibley's ever played international short-form cricket. Um, he doesn't regularly play short-form domestic cricket, and he, he scores a lot of runs in long-form cricket, and, and that's kind of what they specialise in. I think the, there's a lot more specialisation. The biggest there.
0: example of that specialisation is Chichester Prudhara. Mm. And how he... You know, he, he's an he is like one of the rocks of the current indian batting lineup and has been for for a good few years and he is very much in the mold of rahul dravid in that he's never played he's never played short form cricket he doesn't have any interest in playing short form cricket his specialism and his and and the key to his game is that he spends so long perfecting his technique in first class cricket and he can bat for days
1: craig Brathwaite is another example of that and yeah. and i think there is a lot more specialization going on, which leads to the debate about kind of having the separate squads, which is starting to happen now. And I think that's a good development. The Indians have been getting this right for a very long time. If you look at their, um, their T20 and test teams, yeah. the top three are completely different. Um, and only a, a kind of select few, people like Kohli and Rohit Sharma, who are these world-class batsmen, they're the only ones who go across. Um, you know, I think it, it's currently sure Shaw, Mayankagawa and yeah. uh, Pujara, who are the top three for the Indian test team. That's completely different. They're not even in the ODI T20 team. And, and you wouldn't so, want to
0: see them in an ODI team because it wouldn't be very nice to watch because their technique isn't suited to that game.
1: Yeah, other than maybe pretty sure, he, he yeah, yeah. has done a bit of, he was under-19 captain, wasn't it, at the ODI World Cup? And I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's just an all-round great player, and, but he's young and he's kind of developing, and, and I think they're channeling him into this test-opener role, and, and I, I, it's I think, good to see that separation.
0: I think the other thing to say is that there's it's not just India that are doing that now. Australia have started. We you know, started, And we've started as well. Yeah. And, and I think you know, we spoke about this, you know, right at the start of, you know, one of our very first episodes about how this crisis is, is it, 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 it's forced that development of, of the separation um, to be done quicker than otherwise it would have done. And really, that's not going to go away now that will continue. Um, and, and that's going to be one of the effects of this that's going to be felt for, for a long time. Um, but I mean, you can see that as well that you have a totally different ODI setup for England um, if, we, if we talk in England's case you have a totally different ODI setup and you have a select few as you said Archer um Mark Wood possibly uh Ben Stokes and Joe Root and uh, those would be it that, that I wouldn't
1: would include Joe
0: Root in that Keep you Joe Root Joe Root. Team. just yep. on the yeah but you, yeah you've got that select few four players there three or four players who can switch between both and, and play, you know, in, in either? And they're the ones who will stay stay behind at the end of a test series on tour uh, and, and wait to the ODI series, and and everyone else goes home because they've done their get, done their bit in, in the test matches, and that's where they've been selected because that's where they're formed. And I think that I think that once we start doing this, you know, and and once it starts happening regularly, especially abroad, we're going to look back and think, why didn't we do this before? It's going to be one of those developments that's going to be looked at in 10 years time like why did it take us so long to do this because it, it's so self-evident um when, when you actually start doing it and it because yeah and, and you actually appreciate how different the two, the two forms of the game are
1: well the the big three have always kind of been the indicator of, of where the game is going yeah. in australia india and england and if you if you look at their their selection two of the big three us in india have a completely different top three than they do in uh, in in tests than they do in ODI T20. So their their top three in the in the test team don't really feature even in the ODI T20 team. Yeah. Um, Australia, they have two of their top three don't um, uh, no only only one of them. Marnus, is in the the ODI T20 team, yeah. but they have a very different looking top three in, in the sense of the order of them. But the the reason they have a more similar top three than the other two is because they have people like Warner, Smith, Manus, who are these three absolutely top class can bat in any format batsmen. They're very lucky in that. Um, so, you know, Warner is a fantastic T20 ODI opener and a good test opener, and, and Steve Smith can play anywhere he pleases, really. He, can, he just has to ask. Yeah. So the Australians are kind of blessed in that, but the general direction of the game. Is that separation between the the test batting lineup and the short form batting lineup?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there's yeah, there's going to be a um, there's going to be a separation.
1: Um, anyway, from really uh, from talking about the evolution of the game to discussing how it's falling behind.
0: Yes, yes, we need to discuss this. So, right, the first, there's there's two there's two there's two bits to this, and I think um, I think. In in the interest of time that we have, it's probably worth um, discussing them both together. The first is no balls, and how there were many uh, instances, not just yesterday, but throughout this series, of no balls not being caught. Um, And and you know, in in the replays, they're shown as no balls, but for some reason, they can't be called as them afterwards, Um, even though the technology is there to do that. And the second thing is is bad light. You know, and this is something that's really really annoyed me the the last two days of this game and the southampton test as well and even even in the last test you know there was there was some bits of this that bad light has ended days early or not let days start early um or you know not let days start on time and it's just why in the modern game are we are we still stopping for light and you know there's there's some arguments made by uh, by people that it's part of the game and it's, you know, and, and this is just how the game is done, you know, it adds that strategic element to the game. But I I genuinely think that it doesn't. It takes away from the game. And I would say that actually things like rain delays, you know, they they add a strategic element to the game because they're unavoidable. You know, there's nothing you can do if it starts raining. Um and and so, you know, they're unavoidable. But bad light, it shouldn't be a reason, especially with in, in, now that we're in the days of floodlights, you know, in, in every test ground ever. Um, bad light should not be a reason that play stops, especially not that play stops early.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on both these things. The, the no ball thing up until yesterday really infuriated me. I, yeah. I got so annoyed. Uh, Shannon Gabriel, I saw step over the line. I was like, why is this not being called yeah. every call? First of all, it, it doesn't help the batsmen because it, it's runs that they've missed, extra runs from, from the no ball. And also, you know, it's only called if they get a wicket. So the yeah. bowler's getting that kind of unfair advantage, the extra yard of pace. Um, and also it doesn't help the bowler in that they don't know that they're doing it wrong. They can't, You can't see your foot when you're bowling. You don't know that you're stepping over the line. So they don't know that they're doing it. And then they keep the same rhythm and run up. And then they get a wicket and, oh, is a yard over the line. Because... Yeah. Um, the umpire hasn't called it. That really annoyed me until yesterday, when I heard that the ICC have announced they're actually fixing it. They're actually doing oh, it. There will be a fourth umpire at every game who watches the line with the technology they have, and yeah. will be in the standing umpires ear And every time there's no ball, call it. Um, and and so, I mean, we,
0: we do we do tend to criticise the ICC quite a bit, and and the, you know there's been a lot of criticism given over the last 10 years, especially to the ICC. Um, and I'm sure we'll, will do much more of that criticism, um, in, in podcasts, you know, in, in the future, but on, on, on matters like that, I think they have to be commended because that is, is a very quick change. And also not just on matters like that, but the, the speed that the ICC has adapted to, and, and, and also in individual boards have adapted to the current situation and tried, you know, to get test cricket on because in, in the UK test cricket, this test series was the first international sporting event anywhere in the world, um, and what that's done is firstly, it will help to elevate the profile of cricket, but also it showed that if, if the will is there, and obviously the cynic will say that the only reason it's been done very quickly this time is because of the finances and the loss that was that, that would have been made had this series not gone ahead. Um, but it does show you know if you're looking optimistically at the way that the ICC can adapt very quickly the the regulations on um, how how to shine the ball now that you can't use saliva you know the the biosecure protocols all of this sort of stuff really really shows that if the will is there and if if they focused on everything like like they do with the speed that they did this cricket internationally as as a sport would be in a much better place
1: yeah um on on the no ball thing they haven't been actually as responsive the, it, this has been going on for years we've had yeah. the technology to call it and they just haven't used it and um, so that's a bit slow from them, but yeah you're right they they should be commended for how quickly they've adapted to the the pandemic situation and and stuff like that. but I think that goes on to the next issue of the bad light when all this time has been spent getting cricket back on, when all the money has been spent on floodlights in every ground um and which which are now deemed essential, so there's floodlights in every ground the we spent endless time and money and resources and effort getting cricket back on test cricket for, for a consistently dwindling audience yeah. globally. Why take them off when you don't have to? I Why know, you know, exactly. It to take them off. If first of all, I know it's a health and safety protocol and, and the batsmen don't know what's good for them and all that. But first of all, you have to talk to the batsmen. I I think they should completely reverse the thing and be umpires, just say, no, it's too bad, we've got to come off. Talk to the batsmen. It's like the people who want to ban boxing because it's dangerous. Yes, they know it's dangerous. They still do it voluntarily. Or or, Uh,
0: also the the parents who want to stop their kids from playing rugby at school. It's
1: dangerous. They do it voluntarily. If the batsmen will willingly stay on the pitch, even though they recognise the risks to themselves they should be allowed to. Secondly, even if the light is too poor and, and the umpire is like, this is, this is completely ridiculous. You, there's no way you can see the ball. You're just trying to hold on for, uh, to, to get more runs. We, we have to step in and protect you. They can just say to the opposition captain, the, the bowling captain, as they did in the Ashes, and I don't know why they're not doing it now, both teams have two spinners Yep. Will you stick spin on from both ends? Are you willing to do that? Because life, yeah. life is too poor for pace bowling at 90 miles an hour, can you put two spinners on? And if or even even not, two spinners,
0: just if, if, if you still want to play pace, you say, no no more bouncers,
1: you know no more short balls. Uh that, that kind of I'd say that takes away from the the game a bit, but I, I'd, yeah. I'd just say that, yeah, you, so you ask the batsman, are you willing to stay on? Yeah. And if they say yes, you stay on. And if, yeah. if it gets you know, ridiculously dark so that it's, it's realistically impossible to see the ball at pace, you talk to the opposition captain and say, well, either we can go off now or you can put two spinners on and you're happy to do that. But, but when, when there's been this much made of floodlights yeah. being in every ground, I know the ball's a bit dark and I, I, you know, I, I've not yeah. faced 90-mile-an-hour bowling. I imagine it's difficult to see at the yeah. best of times. But if you can light up the entire ground at night to a, a, a point where there is visual clarity around yeah. the ground, you can see the ball and, oh, and there's no reason they should be be taken well, no, up.
0: This, this links to this this other argument that in fact, yes you can you can mandate you know spin from both ends, and yes you you, you, know, you, you sort of. Uh, speak, but there there is another i i would say altogether more simple solution to this which is you use you use the traditional red ball yes but in, in alongside the box of that you have in varying states you have pink balls in varying states as well and with the agreement of both teams happens if the light gets deemed too dark then you put on you 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 let the bowlers use a pink ball for the rest of the, you know, for, for yeah, the rest I'm of the time that like they're the, on, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, I mean, awesome. how how it's, it's it's such a simple solution, you know. It's it's literally four more balls in, 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 in that sort of that, that you have to supply, and there's no yeah. reason why it
1: can't be done. Just let just let even if you have to get an independent group in or something yeah. to do it, or just let the teams use them in the nets for a bit. Let them smack around these pink yeah. balls a bit. You know, obviously you've got to look at them, make sure they haven't been tampered with, but just give give them to a team, maybe with someone supervising, yeah. to hit them around in the nets a bit to, until they get to a very varying state of condition. Yeah. You know, have one on for three or four overs, have one on for twenty, and so on, yeah. and just keep these in in the spare ball box and and bring on a pink ball and effectively play a day night test. Yeah. Also, play more day night tests. Yeah. Then you don't come exactly. off the bat because exactly. you have a pink ball and you, you know, yes, it starts later in the day, but you get primetime television coverage. That ups the... Um, it, it increases the but
0: audience... Not just, just primetime television coverage. You get more spectators in the stadium. Yeah, so obviously, in, work in, 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 and in England, play. Australia, India, it doesn't really matter because stadiums are full anyway. But you imagine the effect it will have somewhere like the Caribbean or South Africa. You have a day-night test. Hmm. You know, the, the, the audiences you would get who are now... Don't you know? Obviously, the, the reasons that they would have to not go to test matches before, given that they're all in the day, are now no longer there. So they're going to go.
1: Yeah, and if I you get even tickets for day one, just if if you're able to, obviously not everyone can do yeah. this, but you could take a half day at work, or you get take one day of holiday, or you just go, you just get your ticket and you go for the last three or four hours after work. And yeah. it's, it's exactly it's such a good idea to do it, and it. Takes away this ridiculous. Oh, we've got to come off because the light's too bad. And and just when test cricket is struggling more than it ever has in terms of bringing in revenue, staying relevant compared to the short forms, and bringing in an audience, every th- there should be basically no reason other than extreme uh, danger or the yep. weather, basically making it unplayable. You know, not light drizzle not included. Unplayable weather. There should be no reason to take the players off. I, I think I, I genuinely think my my
0: genuine genuine belief is that day and night tests are the future of test cricket.
1: Hmm. You know, and and I, I think the Indians agree with you. There, um, sorry, <laughs> btc I definitely yeah. agree with you, uh, and we live in Australia as well, and they're
0: fantastic. They're great spectacles. That that pink ball is, you know, and, and the, the way that it shines in, in the light, and, and especially the, the the contrast of the whites. To, to, mm. to, the, to the green, you know, and especially on the lights is amazing. Well, I, I, I think really that in 10 years time, I mean, this is my prediction. I don't know. Obviously, we, we're, very, we're proved wrong very often. But my prediction is that I, I do think that in 10 years time, we will see, the, if not the majority, then, a, 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 you know, a very sizable percentage of of test series and test matches that go on in the world will be predominantly um,
1: day-night matches. Mm. And I, 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 think, I think that's true. I do genuinely
0: um, think that's a good
1: thing. There's been some, you know, obviously India and Australia are the pioneers of this. Yeah. Uh, there was a day-night test last time we were in Australia in the Ashes. Oh, and it yeah. was excellent. And, um, you know, a, a special shout-out to my biggest cricketing man across M- Mitchell Star. It um, <laughs> looked just great with him, big left-arm passer. Oh, amazing, yes. Yeah. Swinging
0: the ball. and What it, it does, it brings it brings some of that sort of excitement of of the short form's you know, when they're played at the light, especially T20 games when they're played at night, it brings some of that excitement to test cricket. So you no longer see it as, it's just, it just, one of the key things it does, there are, fundamental, fundamental, there are big differences in the way the game's played if it's a night game. But one of the big things that it does, and one of the key things that it does, is it helps to change the image of test cricket. So no longer is it a stuffy game that's played during the day. You now have this exciting game that you play under the lights. You know, everything is lit up. A, you know, it's it's it's, and you've got this really bright pink ball. It's you know, it just it just looks spectacular, and that yeah. helps draw people in.
1: Yeah, there's there's nothing better than seeing a, a day night test in, you know, at the at the um, at the Wacker or or the yeah. gabber or something like that, or in in India at one of the, be- the big yeah. stadiums there, because it's just so built for that, and it's It's, fabulous. Oh, it's amazing. And I mean, um, even,
0: even in the UK, we've had one day-night test in the UK, which is the one at Edgbaston against the West Indies last time they were here. And I do, I would like to see more, because that was... I mean, it was quite a successful game, that one, at Edgbaston. I mean, yeah, it wasn't fully dark, because it's an English summer, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get dark at 8pm here. Um, but you still even when it's when it's the sky is becoming darker when it's the evening you have this under the lights you still have the pink ball it still looks pretty good and it's and you know it does draw people into the game yeah
1: it's not it's not the the uh, yeah, MCG but it is it is yeah. good um, okay well it, it, play play starts in 15 minutes so yes, <laughs> um,
0: um, right one last thing that we will discuss and then yes and then we have to then <laughs> we go the- and
1: watch the cricket which is kind <laughs> of our job now yeah
0: um, so there has been news from a small island off the coast of Scotland uh called Iona, that an opera about the Cricket World Cup final has been produced by by i think I think it's two school teachers um while they've mm-hmm. been in lockdown, and um I have heard i mean because they played it on TMS yesterday, I have heard a uh, one of the songs from that from from that opera. And it sounds pretty good actually um, and they've got it's, it's, it's a one act opera but it's got about 10, 10 or 12 songs something like that and it's the whole World Cup final. Um, that's pretty cool and I, I do think that, that I would like to listen to that when they release it to the general public um, and also I mean it would be great to get the, the guys who wrote that I think I think two, I think Alice and Jane or something like that, two school teachers who wrote that. Um, it would be great to get them on the call uh, and talk
1: about that. Yeah, no, if you're listening, please come on. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll try and you know f- find out if we can contact you or something. Yeah. Uh, we've we've just been talking about how to make cricket this kind of nighttime cooler, yeah. less <laughs> middle class game, and they were just said, "Oh, darling, there's not prayer about it." <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> maybe um, that's not you know is yeah, it, yeah. It's it two, image, two different but, spectrums yeah. but it is the, the extreme end of cricket and it, I, I think i think it's it's very funny it's fantastic yeah, i do um, I, I think it shows, it's great it shows uh, how impactful that world cup final was on oh, you know yeah. even okay. up in scotland which it, it's hardly kind of um rooted into English culture. Yeah. Yeah. Being up in Scotland. So um yeah, I think that's I think that's fantastic. And, I think uh, it's brilliant. But the
0: question I wanted to ask you is obviously this this there's this opera that's been produced. So thinking about cricket in wider media, um so I'm talking films, songs, etc. What's your favourite example of, of a cricket themed or, or cricket being featured in, in, in wider media?
1: Um I think in terms of cricketing songs, you can't get much better than "He bowls to the left, he bowls to the right." Mitchell Johnson, his bowling is we won't say it, um, and then yeah, that that's a good one. And then he destroys you in the twenty thirteen Ashes, and, yeah. and you, get, you get very very quiet. But um, well, he literally um, he, he literally went like that. Yeah, yeah. When he, he, he didn't bowl to the left. He didn't bowl to the right. He bowled straight at the middle stump and smashed it out the ground.
0: And then, and anyway. then told you to, to shush. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, so I, I'm not sure there are that many kind of great cricketing songs yeah. outside of fan chants and so on. There are some really good Chants. In terms of films, um, I, I, I'm going to go with actually not a film, but a TV series. Yeah. Amazon Prime's The Test. Yeah. Um, about the Australian cricket team and their kind of road from the ball tampering scandal up to last year's Ashes yeah. is a fantastic, oh, it's amazing, great insight. Even if, the, even if you football don't football. know
0: much about cricket, oh it's yeah, one of those is one of those series that it, it, it's like a, it, it does what any good sports documentary or any documentary really does is that it caters to beginners as well. So it doesn't assume that you know about cricket. It will it will introduce you to what happened, you know. It will introduce you to what happened in twenty eighteen with the, with the ball tampering. It will introduce you to the key players, you know, and the, and the key figures in that. Um, and it will introduce you to to some of the theories behind cricket. So there's an episode where it features on, uh, it focuses on when Steve Smith got concussed by Joffe Archer in the um in 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 the Ashes last year, and they bring this theory of bowling and what happened and and what happened there very. Tragic. They do all that before they um uh, before you actually get into the in into the episode as a whole, so that you know what's actually happened.
1: Yeah, it, it's a fantastic series, and and I think it's definitely yeah. one one to watch for any anyone kind of vaguely interested. Um, I really hope that's not a one off. I hope they start doing yeah, it. It'd be definitely. great to see it done with England. Um, what well, was of,
0: so so the oh, the, 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 the are, oh,
1: Sorry,
0: um, carry on. Oh, the rumors are that there was um, actually the, the england team actually approached both before the world cup uh by amazon saying can we follow your odi team and they said no um and then they were approached by um uh, by, by amazon again before the asses series to say can we can we uh follow your test team and the ecb said no again oh. um, so had it had that had had they said yes it would have been about it would have been at the english teams and not and not, um, not the
1: Australian. I, I, I think it would be in, ter- in terms of the general fanboying. It would be really interesting to see that kind of as an alternate series between yeah. Ashes series. Um, so follow England over two years, Australia, and just kind oh, of that
0: would be amazing. Yeah, and it or, culminates in this sort of in, in yeah. the
1: Ashes. Oh. Or if we if we want to extend it, you know, if we want to be good for the game and extend it beyond. <laughs> Um, the the big three. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really nice to see stuff about pretty much every test-playing nation. A, a oh, series, yeah, one. Yeah. You know, England going into the next Ashes, India going into maybe their their famous kind of Christmas test series against Australia yeah. every other year, and um, the West Indies going into various places. Uh, yeah. Cricket returning to Pakistan. That would be a fantastic yeah. one if we ever get there. Fingers crossed. The first, uh, for, oh, I, can't, I can't think how many years.
0: 13 years India, or
1: something. Well, the first India-Pakistan test series. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, um, that would be unbelievable. But, you know, all this stuff, there's great documentaries to be made in that vein. And, and they got it so right with the Australian one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, South Africa as well. They, they got it so right with all this stuff that I, I think it would be really interesting to see as many teams as possible, kind of mapped yeah. along a couple of years by Amazon, and and I think it would get well. With the test got, you know, millions of views, and I, oh, I, it was yeah, it was such a hit, and I especially it in Australia, yeah. Would be success from success from success. So that would be really lovely to see.
0: Right. So the um the the uh, test that well day day three starts in ten minutes. So let's finish with our of the day and what is the day.
1: Okay, okay so uh, uh, star player for the west indies um Kemal roach taking four i think he he's bowled better and better throughout the series uh we oh we didn't mention it actually he became um in the last innings the first west indian bowler to reach 200 yeah. test wickets since Kirby ambrose in 1994 yeah and he's done it at a fair fair lick as well he's I He's not played that many test matches. Obviously, he's a bit older now, but he could well carry on. And if he manages to play 50 more matches or so on, he could he could end up it, well up that list of West Indian greats. He's a very good bowler, Definitely. and um, he's my man of the match. man of the the day for the West Indies? Um, Stuart Broad's got to be my, my man of the oh, it was it was a Stuart Broad day. Yeah, um, be, becoming you know. Up there with Botham and Flintoff in, in the world of <laughs> Test All-Rounders is is one thing. And then getting rid of Craig Brathwaite, which I think was possibly the most um, significant wicket of oh, yeah. the day in terms of uh, England's bowling.
0: Yeah, because he um, was the biggest threat. Yeah.
1: Moment yeah. of the day. Chris Wokes knocking Blackwood's middle pole oh, out oh, of the ground. So amazing. Such a beauty. Such a beauty. I have to admit, I did watch
0: that on repeat a good few times. You know, oh, so nice.
1: It was a fantastic ball. And what made it even better was that um, the commentators on the TV just just weren't paying attention. They were kind of chatting yeah. as it happened. Because
0: then then it just kind of, happened out of nowhere. It yeah, wasn't yeah. looking like that dangerous of a spell. And then he yeah. just kept one straight. And then they just, kind of turned around and went, oh, he, he's bolded
1: <laughs> And I, I just, you could, if if you live anywhere near me, you can hear me in the sitting room saying, bolded yeah. So... You know yeah. it it was a fantastic moment oh, it's and, um, word to describe the day um rampant the rampant yeah. lions that are England to to use a cliche um England's day absolutely, and they played fantastically and let's see if they can go on, crack on, win the test, win the series, and win the trophy. come on, boys definitely um
0: my so my star player, I agree with you, the West Indies, I would say kimar Roach because he's yeah he bowled brilliantly um, and he's been a real bright spark in what was otherwise, you know, not a very good day for the Westies. Um, I would say though, I mean, Stuart Broad, yes, he was amazing yesterday. It was Stuart's day, um, so I do want to, I do want to say that he was my star player. However, since you've already mentioned him, and I agree there, I thought actually I'd use my star player to mention someone else, which is Joffre. In that, obviously, Joffre came back, took a wicket with everything that's happened to come back like that and it almost looked like it didn't affect him, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, because he did what has what's said before. And it shows that, I mean, obviously we don't know what it's like in of that training camp in of that camp. We don't know what he's like personally, you know, what effects it's had on him. Um, But, you know, it seems on, on the pitch at least like he's not going to let it affect him. So, so Joffre just for sheer resilience um, uh, over the course of the day really. Um I'd I'd say he's my star player for England. And then my moment of the day, uh, I would say when he hit that six over um Jason Holder's head. Oh what a it was it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Just took it back over mid wicket. Um so yeah, so uh, Stuart Broad Stuart Broad's six was my moment of the day and then what to describe day. Exciting. Exciting mm. to see, you know, um England doing so well, but also this game is brilliantly placed. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that concludes this episode. And with six minutes to go until the start of play on day three, we will sign off here and join you once day three is over to discuss day three. But yes, thank you for listening and goodbye.